0: This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 60,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For
1: a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com transmission. The Transmission, episode 84, February 14th, 2010.
2: I remember being shot. And a zombie, right? No, I am not a zombie.
1: Aloha from the Island Lost fans. You are tuned into the transmission. This is a podcast devoted to the show Lost on ABC. I'm Jen. And
0: I'm Ryan. And first of all, honey, happy Valentine's oh, Day. Oh, thanks, baby. Now, of course, there are a lot more things we could be doing this weekend, but instead we chew, choo choose Lost <laughs> first. So we're here to talk about the third hour of season six.
1: It's entitled What Kate Does, and we'll recap it in under eight minutes. Then
0: we'll hear your feedback on the episode and you all, everybody.
1: We'll hear another fun song from The Others Lost.
0: Lost band. And finally, we'll cover the last week of Lost Production in the forward cabin. So, are you ready? Let's get lost. Episode 3 of season 6 of Lost. What does Kate do?
1: Kate jumps into Claire's cab at the airport and tells the driver to go and brandishes a gun. He nearly runs over Dr. Arts. Out the window, she sees Jack, who stares back at her. The cab driver decides to bail, and Kate takes the wheel and throws Claire out. Kate gets her handcuffs removed at an auto shop, but after finding a stuffed orca whale in Claire's bag, she goes back to get Claire and offers her a ride.
0: They drive to the home of the adoptive parents, but the woman answers the door and says her husband left her and she can't raise a baby alone. Claire starts going into labor and Kate brings her to the hospital and Dr. Ethan Goodspeed. It seems as if the baby's in trouble and Claire blurts out that the baby's name is Aaron, but it turns out the baby is fine.
1: A cop comes to see Claire, but Claire says she has no idea where Kate went. Kate thanks her and Claire asks what she did. Kate asks if Claire would believe that she's innocent and Claire says yes. She also offers Kate her credit card. Kate tells Claire that Aaron is a great name, and Claire says it just came to her. Kate tells Claire that she should keep her baby.
0: On the island, Lennon goes to see Dogen and tells him he's alive. Meanwhile, Said asks Jack what happened, and Jack tells him he died. Said thanks Jack for saving his life. Watching from afar, Sawyer tells Kate that he's thinking about running. They bring Said outside, and Dogen shows up and says they want to talk to Said alone. Jack says that he has some questions first.
1: The others start to attack Jack and Miles, but shots are fired. It's Sawyer. Dogen tells him that they won't hurt his friend, but Sawyer says the others can do whatever they want with him or anyone, but he's leaving. He says not to come after him and leaves the temple. Kate tells Lennon that she can bring Sawyer back and Jin says that he will go with her.
0: Saeed is brought inside and strapped down. Dogen blows some dust onto Saeed's chest and attaches some wires. They shock him, then burn him with a hot iron poker. Saeed screams and asks why. Lennon tells him that it was a test and he passed, but as Saeed is led away, Lennon knows he lied so he tells jack he was tortured but wasn't asked any questions
1: in the jungle the others aldo and justin tell kate that they're protecting them from the smoke monster jin asks them about another plane and aldo stops justin from answering him kate nearly sets off a trap and jin says that it looks like rousseau's work but justin says that she's been dead for years Aldo confronts Kate for attacking him three years earlier.
0: Kate punches Aldo out and sets off the trap, which takes out Justin. Kate tells Jin she's running away with Sawyer, and Jin says he has to find Sun. Kate wishes him luck and heads to New Otherton, where he finds Sawyer in his old house, retrieving a box from under the floor. He hears Kate and nearly shoots her, but then just walks past her out the door.
1: Kate finds Sawyer at the end of the pier. She tells Sawyer that she wanted to find Claire, and she's sorry that she convinced Juliet to turn the sub around. Sawyer says he convinced Juliet to stay in the first place, but he says some people are just meant to be alone. He pulls a ring out of his pocket and says he was going to ask Juliet to marry him. He throws the ring into the water and leaves.
0: Back at the temple, Jack goes to see Dogan, who says Saeed is infected and gives Jack a pill. Dogan makes Jack confess that it was his fault that Saeed was shot and that other people had also been hurt and killed trying to help Jack. Dogan says the pill is his chance to redeem himself. Jack asks what happens if Saeed doesn't take the pill and dogan says the infection will spread
1: Jack goes to Said and says that the others claim they were diagnosing him. Said says it was a test, but one he obviously failed. Jack shows him the pill and says he didn't save Said's life; the others did. Said says he doesn't care who saved him, just who he trusts. And if Jack says to take the pill, he will.
0: Jack goes back to Dogan and asks who he is. Dogan says that he was just brought to the island like everyone else. Dogan knows Jack didn't give Said the pill, and Jack demands to know what's in it. Dogan says the infection will kill Saeed, but Jack says he already died. Dogen asks Jack to trust him, but Jack says he can't even trust himself and pops the pill in his mouth.
1: Dogen jumps Jack and forces the pill back out and admits that it's poison. Jack asks why they want to kill Saeed, and Dogen says they believe Saeed has been claimed and that eventually he'll be taken over by a growing darkness. Jack asks how he knows this, and Dogen says that it happened before to Jack's sister.
0: Aldo and Justin recapture Jin in the jungle And argue about bringing him back to the temple Aldo suggests killing Jin But Justin says that they can't because he's one of them Aldo raises his gun But is then shot several times Jin looks up and a wild woman with blonde hair Is standing there with a rifle And Jin says Claire And And Thud thud. And that is episode 3 of season 6 of Lost What Kate does We'll take a quick break and when we come back We'll share our thoughts on this episode
1: We can't wait to share our thoughts on what Kate does and get to your feedback and you all, everybody. But first, we wanted to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks.
0: Audible has more than 60,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and features audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of The Transmission, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their great service.
1: The book we want to feature this week is A Brief History of time. Time by Stephen Hawking Now in this last episode We get another glimpse of Aldo And if you recall Before Kate knocked him out The first time back in season 3 He was reading this book And specifically he was reading passages In a chapter about black holes And event horizons This particular edition is unabridged And it's about 5 hours long
0: So for this or another free audiobook Of your choice Just go to audiblepodcast.com transmission
1: That's Audible Podcast. Podcast.com slash transmission. And we want to thank Audible.com for supporting our show.
0: Absolutely. So to this latest episode, What Kate Does. Uh, Jen, not a fan of Kate. No. How'd you like the episode?
1: I was dreading this episode. I was finding excuses to not watch it that <laughs> night and maybe see it later. I, I, I don't know. I wasn't looking forward to it, but I have to say I liked it a lot.
0: You liked it a lot I did Well, I'll say I liked it I might not go as far as a lot But I, I mean, I kind of shared your hesitation As to just sort of the anticipation of a Kate episode I will say that a lot of the things that I want to talk about And things that I enjoyed about it Had nothing to do with Kate But I think overall, I still enjoyed it I It felt like season one to me The pacing mm-hmm. felt more um, you know, deliberate and more thoughtful And I can see that that's a big frustration I mean, any episode that follows a season premiere Or any episode that precedes a season finale Is definitely going to suffer from expectation syndrome, right?
1: You know, I still don't like Kate. I still think, (laughs) as a character, she's a horrible person. Okay. But the way that they showed this to you was really effective. I... I, I didn't see any of the lapses in logic or in judgment that Kate usually shows. I just thought it was very, it flowed really well and it illustrated the things about Kate that make her what she is.
0: See, I think you put that really, really well. It wasn't so much, I mean, there wasn't a, as much of a problem with Kate's character and what they're trying to show and the different sides of it, her different motivations, her different mm-hmm. conflicts, and obviously different sides of her personality versus, you know, on the island versus off the island. I will say, though, that there is there was sort of this incredulousness about what was going on off the island. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot there that I just, I wasn't sure what was going on. Obviously, they want you to think that, you know, Kate recognizes some things uh, she she recognizes Jack when she's in the cab um, although Laura on the blog noted that you know of course they would recognize each other because of what happened on the plane right, right. but there was definitely the scene and noticeably with a mirror in front of her when she's pulling the orca the stuffed whale out of the bag of Claire's mm-hmm. and we see Aaron with that stuffed whale in the other you know timeline in the other universe that's where right yeah they had that fight in the kitchen so I thought that look of uh, recognition was key also the way that you know she recognized the name Aaron, and Claire says, I don't know why that name just popped into my head. Mm -hmm. And most, of course, astonishingly seeing our good old friend, Dr. Goodspeed, in this case, (laughs) Ethan. So, I mean, there's some elements that they're trying to show us there, but you back up enough and you're like, why would Claire, a pregnant woman who just had a gun thrust in her face, not something a pregnant woman really wants to put up with, get back into the cab with this woman? And not only that, depend on her for emotional support when she goes to see the adoptive parents- And then by the time they're at the hospital, they're good buddies and she's giving her a credit card. I mean, to some extent, that's way beyond suspension of disbelief. Yeah, I agree. But I think there's more to that. And there's a lot of conversation on that in You All Everybody. So we'll get to that. One thing that stood out um, in that weird universe was the fact that she confesses to the mechanic that she's wanted for murder. Right. She doesn't say offhand, you know, I killed somebody. But then she talks to Claire and says, would you believe if I told you I Mm -hmm. was innocent? Now. The way I read that initially was, you know, she's just trying to see how gullible Claire is or how well Kate was able to insinuate herself into this complete strange pregnant woman's life. But another way to read it, especially now that we know Hurley is a lucky person, um, is the Kate in this universe not guilty?
1: We have to think about this. We have to think about the Comic-Con videos, Mm. you know, the the fake advertisements that we saw. um, it, It was implied that... Kate didn't kill her father. She killed her father's assistant by mistake. Right. And if we look at it through that lens... You know, if she in her mind believes that she killed this guy, even though she meant to kill her father, then maybe she does consider herself innocent.
0: Right. I do, I personally think that there was, there is still, you know, something, some bad act in her life here. Why would she be quite so determined to get away from the marshal, for example? So I'm not among the people who think that, you know, her ca- character is that much different. She's Kate on the run. So off the island, we're seeing that she's sort of fulfilling her destiny and her existence. But that I kind of
1: like known. that, that there's that ambiguousness, whether she's guilty or she just, I mean, you know, whether she's innocent or she just thinks she's innocent. That's another thing I liked about this episode. It, there was a lot of ambiguity about things that we saw and that always intrigues me.
0: Well, I mean, anything like that, I mean, you're either going to be frustrated about it or you're going to at least enjoy chewing on it. Now, with the appearance of Dr. Ethan Goodspeed here, though, I mean, what do you think they were kind of going with that? I mean, to me, I felt it was just uh, fan service. It's just like why they threw Doc Arts again in there with a line from uh, night cowboy and not taxi driver, as many people corrected me. Um, was that all there was to that?
1: I, I don't know. I, th- I think they're trying to illustrate how different this timeline is for everybody. I mean, we're supposed to really think about it now that that none of the people that we know that are in Dharma are in Dharma. Everything is completely different for everybody.
0: Well, I, at first I thought, you know, how can this be possible? How can Ethan even exist because Island Underwater and Dharma Initiative and all of that? But that's not necessarily true because Ethan was, in fact, the last baby born on the island right. before... The incident. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm perfectly willing to believe that if there is a sunken island, that that happened after the incident. So Ethan gets on the submarine as a baby, as we saw at the end of season five, and still can pursue this basic destiny of his to become a physician. And maybe in this case, a good physician and not an evil, creepy person. So, <laughs> I mean, I think, uh, it, I hope it's not just fan service. I think that there, there might be more to that. And it kind of goes to whether all of our characters, despite the fact that something in the past has obviously changed, that they're inexorably or inexplicably going to be drawn together just like they have been on the island they're kind of meeting the same fate in a way well
1: Kate and Ethan again are involved in Aaron's birth
0: right I mean for them to be there I think is significantly key and uh, it was Amber in Utah who uh, called us about you know Oedipus the the, the myth there and right. how he tried to stop his son from killing him by trying to kill his son but it still happened I mean basically that seems to be the bigger arc of the story it's still fate versus free will and it sounds to me so far that fate is winning in that particular debate yeah now let's move on the island, I think where most of the compelling stuff happened this week, to be perfectly honest, and Saeed. I mean, what's going on with him? At first, last week, we thought he's clearly going to be the resurrected form of Jacob, and that'll be kind of interesting, but now the people who are followers of Jacob are afraid of him and want to kill him. So, what's the story?
1: It definitely brings back the question of the sickness, Oh yeah. as described by Rousseau, and, you know, what's the vaccine? What does the vaccine do? It's it, I, I don't know. I, I'm thinking the vaccine could have helped Saeed, but I don't I don't know.
0: I definitely think that the vaccine comes back into play. I mean, Desmond was being told to take the vaccine, and he also, like now Sawyer and Kate, who have left the protection of the temple, seem to be out and exposed. And maybe that's part of what the vaccine needs to do is to protect you from that. Right. I mean, the thing about that was kind of confusing with Saeed is that they said, if something happens to Saeed, then we're all in a lot of trouble. So let's try and save him. Uh They notice that the spring has changed color, but they're like, okay, we're going to try again. Try it anyway. And then he comes back to life, and now they want to kill him. It seems bizarre, except that I think that it really does does come down to the change in the temple water right. and that i mean it's key that they point out in this episode that saeed's wound seems to have healed magically mm-hmm. so to some extent the, the temple water is doing what i think they expected it to do which is to help someone rejuvenate but in this case being rejuvenated by a force that they don't trust uh-huh. and i mean the whole thing with the test you know first trying to electrocute him and then burning him what what, what did you think that was trying to prove it-
1: I don't know what it was trying to prove, but it reminded me of the scene in season one where Rousseau tortures Saeed. You know, I really don't know what a hot poker accomplishes, but I think it might have something to do with what Rousseau was trying to do. Oh, I think
0: Rousseau and her storyline is very key to this, especially with the conversation about the sickness. You know, she basically reveals in that episode that she's the person that had to kill everyone on the science team Mm -hmm. because she was trying to stop a spread of this sickness. And more importantly, I went back to the transcript from that episode and it's really interesting, the kind of double meanings that you can read into it, because, for example, yes, Rousseau tortures Saeed. Right. And in that case, it seems like Rousseau is after some kind of information. But more specifically, you know, he, she gives Saeed a shot. She says that it's a sedative or we're well, trying to make her calm down, but yeah. maybe she was giving him the vaccine. Uh-huh. And most importantly, I think the last line of dialogue between the two of them is that Said tells Rousseau, but I'm not sick. And Rousseau says, I know. And I think that now going back, it seems that she was diagnosing Saeed that actually this is the second time that Said unfortunately has been diagnosed for this very same sickness. So uh-huh. I definitely think you're onto something there. Now I think the side question and the one that everyone is asking, since there was a clear comparison between Claire and Rousseau is, was Rousseau sick like Claire is said to be? I don't think so. I think that with what we just discussed, I think that Rousseau is one of the few people that's managed to be aware of, stay away from, and protect herself from the sickness.
1: I- I, I don't know. I was of the opinion that Rousseau was just a grieving mother who had been extraordinarily lonely and had, you know, a lot of battles to fight until I saw the episode where Rousseau, um, I believe it's This Place's Death was the episode where she shoots everybody. I'm beginning to think that it was Rousseau who was sick.
0: Hmm. And not the rest of her team. Yeah. Although I, to me, I think that when she says that there's something wrong with the rest of you, you're not who you say you are. That sounds more like what Said is in for rather than what's been happening to Rousseau. But again, because they compared the traps laid by Crazy woman Rousseau to the traps laid by now crazy woman Claire, mm-hmm. there might, there's most likely a connection or similarity between those two. So let's talk about that final thud moment that Claire returns, but according to Dogen, is fully consumed by the process that is beginning to consume Said and that she is now a representative of this great mm-hmm. darkness.
1: Well, Said wasn't taken until he was dead, and now Claire, by Logic would have to be dead to be sick and I mean I thought that she died maybe during the house explosion. Mm
0: -hmm. I think that's kind of where it goes back to and she acted very confused and dazed and a little slow the same way that Saeed is acting right now. Mm -hmm. So I think already we were beginning to see that process take hold but she's now fully taken. Now Dogen says that after this process completes there won't be any piece of Saeed left. So if that's true does that mean this Claire we're going to see is a completely different character or is there going to be any element of the Claire that we knew, left in that that person with the gun.
1: We're told that in, in 316, everybody has to be exactly the. They have to replicate the conditions of 316, and I wonder if it has to be the same on the island. Is Claire now filling a role? that was vacated by Rousseau when she died. Right.
0: I mean, I think that um, there's sort of that theme or, or that tendency. I mean, actually, I think that's a brilliant way to put it, how they had to recreate the conditions, etc., for things mm-hmm. to go right. Um, we've discussed a lot about mirroring, about uh, repetition or themes, that the same thing happens to a character more than once, or the same thing happens to different characters, that they kind of experience the same things. And when you remember the conversation on the beach at the end of season five, that this seems like a battle that's been happening over and over and over mm-hmm. again, I think it it's reasonable to posit that the uh, Claire is now the same chess piece that Rousseau was on the board and that she probably fulfilled the role from someone else and that there's kind of this repeating right. loop so my question then is so do you think that Claire is Rousseau reincarnated
1: they, they made a lot of deliberate choices about how she looked and and the traps and and how she appears right. out of nowhere well, I mean that's you know very deliberate on that's, their part
0: that's a heck of a theory um, one of our uh, listeners Christy from LA kind of pointed out that Rousseau you know uh, Rousseau Died right around the time the Claire died, and that maybe there were that sort of proximity of crossing the ethereal plane is where that transi- transition can happen. I'm not sure. I'll go quite that far. I do like the idea of roles being continued. If it is a matter of you know actually being somebody else, who do you think is in Said? If it's not Jacob, I mean, who died around the time that, that Said died? Juliet. Okay, <laughs> now, see that would just be a little weird. Or I Bram. Think. Bram? No, oh, but he was also working for for oh, Jacob, yeah, so right, they would right, be a favor. Right, All right, right. so. Definitely crackpot theory territory. Uh, So there was a lot of uh, mythology in this episode, I think, to chew on. Uh But I think the reason why we said we liked it, or I said I liked it, you said you liked it a lot, which surprises me, was the character moments. The
1: scene on the dock, the scene on the dock between Sawyer and Kate, I I must have gone back and rewatched that like five times afterward Mm -hmm. just because Josh Holloway's performance was just pitch perfect. Everything about just the way he says things, his facial expressions, it was just, it was perfect. It was so true that, you know, it. it I think it made the entire episode.
0: I definitely think that it was the emotional heart of the episode. I think that, I said the same thing during LAX last week that I thought that despite the fact that many people would say that seeing Juliet die a second time was a little cheap or a little too manipulative that it was Josh Holloway's performance there that kind of brought the stakes to a level where we could feel it in our heart that, it, mm-hmm. you know, we're not just playing with science fiction here or mysteries or clues, but these are real people. So I agree. I mean, I am among many people saying that that better be the clip that Josh Holloway sends into the the oh, Emmy committee. Yeah,
1: Absolutely.
0: Now obviously, Sawyer is headed down a dark path here. I mean they they were almost a little too on the nose with his line of dialogue saying you can right. he's not my friend. You do whatever you want with him or anybody well you know basically that's not, every man for himself
1: that's not the first time we've heard that line, and not just from Sawyer we've heard a bunch of people say he's not my friend
0: right, and I think that's certainly been key or a key theme. but in terms of lines of dialogue that are a little bit too on the nose I mean in the to the point where it almost broke my you know belief in these characters was uh-huh. when Sawyer says you know no, he's not my friend do what you want with him or anyone else i'm uh-huh. out of here i mean talk about every man for himself well sister.
1: that's not the first time we've heard that line and not just out of sawyer we've heard that line a bunch of times
0: that i'm not your friend yeah, yeah and i think that's certainly a key, you know, part of the story of Lost and um, the al the alliances and the divisions between these characters. I just it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm not sure if you needed to spell it out quite so much. And I mean, in terms of spelling it out and remarking upon the ridiculousness ridiculousness. How about you know, don't come after me? Yeah. yeah. How yeah. about uh, cut immediately to Kate going after him and uh-huh. to the point where he says. Which time Uh are you apologizing for? Because you always do that. So Uh a little ridiculous. But again, I think sort of in line with uh, what we're saying about our characters reverting to form and kind of being the same way that they always were or were when they first came to the island. Now, I have to ask you this question because of that scene on the dock Uh and Kate crying, even though just before then she was telling Jin that, you know, I'm running off with Sawyer and we're going to figure out what we're going to do together. And then she gets to the dock and she's like, I just wanted you to help me find Claire. So is the shipper ship sailed? Are we done with the triangle? At least one leg, the Kate and Sawyer leg of that triangle? God,
1: I hope so. (laughs) I don't know. You know what? Kate doesn't need anybody. Kate can kick her own butts and she can make (laughs) her own decisions. I hate that it has to come between Jack and Sawyer. Why does it have to come down to those two? Why can't... Kate, just figure out her own stuff and be Kate.
0: I think that would be kind of the best resolution for her character, especially because this has been what's been played up since the very first episode yeah. of Lost, um, but I'm not sure if they, they can do it because it's sort of like a, a big invested portion of the of the, of the the audience of the show is invested in that romantic triangle, but I felt that it seemed like she the reason why she was crying at the end of the at that, at that pier was because she said, oh well, you know, I'm, this, that's it. I mean, I'm not part of this person's life anymore because he's going a different way. Mm-hmm. And specifically also, because if they couldn't, you know, avoid it, they had to throw a bone to the Jack and Kate fans because right before Kate leaves, they share a very close, almost noses touching, intimate moment there. Right, so yeah. There's probably still some romance left in the cards for our main characters, but I'd like to say that maybe the love triangle has at least just become a love triangle. Line between two points. I don't know a love squiggly line, uh, that, but I do think that there's going to still have to be some element of romance for well, our character. Desmond
1: and Penny. Let's let's figure out a way to get Desmond and Penny back hey, together here, and here. invest in them.
0: I'm with I'm with you on that one. So uh, we have more scenes with Dogan and Lennon and uh, specifically Dogan. I mean, I I said that I was charmed by his character, uh-huh. but this episode definitely. I, I love Dogan's character.
1: Yeah, I mean, because he's not putting up with any of Jack's silly questions.
0: Well. Not not only yes, not specifically, but the, the the you know what's that? It's a baseball. What's this? <laughs> it's tea. I mean, that kind of goes back to Richard's incredulous response to Locke. when oh, yeah. he asks what the compass is, and he goes, "It or what points it does. north, John. Yes, it points north." So, I mean, just some of the the play between the two of them, I thought was really key, and also kind of explaining the role of Lenin because Lenin isn't needed if he can speak English. It seems like a contrivance, and I thought they addressed that pretty well.
1: Well, D- D- Dogen says, "I need that." Basically to separate me from the people so that when I make decisions that they don't like, I'm protected, which is something Ben could have done. That's that would have been useful advice for Ben. Right.
0: I mean, as far as leadership, I mean, because Ben certainly got a little involved with the people that he was in charge of controlling, and also it sounds like the relationship between Jacob and everyone else on the island. He mm-hmm. had a go-between as well in the story of Richard, Richard to yeah. the point where people didn't think that Jacob's real. So, I mean, I think that that's certainly a style of hierarchy or management that's been taking place with the others going back for a long time mm-hmm. on the island. Now, we had more weird old technology in the form of the manual typewriter.
1: Right. Well, actually, somebody pointed out that it's kind of a shout-out to Fringe.
0: Oh, right. Rich in Cleveland on the blog said that, well, in Fringe, there's a manual typewriter, and it's the way that you con- converse between these two alternate universes that are happening in Fringe.
1: Oh, really? I haven't, I haven't been watching Fringe, so I didn't know that Well, was I mean, going that's
0: on. sort of worrisome in the sense that, you know, this is, they're both J.J. Abrams shows, mm-hmm. and maybe he gets these brilliant ideas that he can't resist using in other places. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's what's going on, but that's certainly a nice connection. Now, one of the things that struck me about what's going on in the temple is that they're really big on free will and mm-hmm. choice, which certainly sounds like our friend Jacob to some extent because, you know, they're struggling with Jack all the time, right? It seems they're always jumping on him and trying to get him to do this or get him to do that. He's refusing to talk to Dogen. But then when he finally gets up and walks up to the big burly guards and says, step aside because he wants to talk to Dogen, the guards Part, you know oh, like yeah like, i was like wondering the why sea. they did that yeah well, so i think that it was sort of like a showing that he had to make the conscious decision to participate in a conversation with Dogan. i think uh-huh. that goes back be- as well for the whole thing with the pill i mean if they really wanted to they could have all held saeed down he's not exactly feeling strong and forced that pill down his throat but it was a specific line of dialogue that dogan says that saeed needs to take the pill willingly mm-hmm. he has to take it from you know, from someone he trusts, he'll do it if he trusts you. So again, I think free will is certainly being set up as a main theme.
1: The whole pill thing, though, was very Matrix.
0: Oh, right. You were. I was waiting for the other color. Right. Like we've got the brown-green one. Where's the Where's the purple one? But <laughs> no, they didn't quite go that far. But yeah, you know, no, I like these sort of shout-outs. Now, there may have been a few clunkers in terms of lines of dialogue, but as, as we always can rely on them, Miles and Hurley gave us some great lines of dialogue. Well,
1: I especially like the um, exchange between Saeed and Hurley. Are you a zombie? no I'm not a zombie and it's the way that Naveen Andrews delivers that line that exactly. cracked me the up the look on his face no uh-huh.
0: I am not a zombie <laughs> and of course Miles says we'll be in the food court if you need us yeah I mean <laughs> just perfect I mean it always comes down to those two to either comment on the action or the absurdity of it or to keep it light when it needs to be like light. the Greek
1: chorus right
0: I mean actually it, you had a little bit of that with the you know Justin and Aldo stuff in the jungle in addition to them kind of messing with us with don't don't say that don't say that but it was very sort of the Shakespearean gesture following along and just sort of being ridiculous well I
1: mentioned this movie before but there's this movie called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead right in which these two minor characters in the story of hamlet after their action is done they come back and they change the course of the story for, and they mess everything up for hamlet and it really reminded me of that you know these two characters that you think are done and you see them again and they kind of change things a little
0: well uh Aldo comes back. I think Justin yeah. was a new other. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, he definitely looked familiar, and uh, it was Addy that pointed out to us that uh, it's played by Dio Ade. He's an actor who was in DeGrassi Junior High, a very popular uh-huh. a very popular series in Canada. But I don't think you know. I don't think he's he's returning. But in any case, uh, sort of a light moment. But it was still you know Hurley and Miles that stole the show. Well,
1: Saeed had a great line. He says after he's tortured, he says they didn't ask me any questions. That's exactly what Han Solo said to Leia after he's tortured in the Empire Strikes Back. Right, right, the
0: very key scene. It also kind of perplexes some people. You know, he is tortured for no particular reason Uh by Darth Vader, but that kind of throw out or that kind of line definitely seemed like a good link to make, especially because Hurley has an attachment to the the screenplay to (laughs) the Empire Strikes Back. And actually, Soko from California and Buck in Tennessee made that observation on the Lost line. In terms of other familiar faces before I forget, Susan in California pointed out that the the taxi driver that uh, Kate scares off, even Mm -hmm. though he's kind of a scary looking guy himself is actually David Lawrence III, who uh-huh. you may know if you watch this this other show called Heroes uh-huh. as the puppet master, kind oh, of really? the bad guy in that series. So again, you know, it's nice. We see a lot of Deadwood uh, actors turning up and maybe yeah, quite we, a few, we I might guess. see more Heroes people turning up for better or worse. But um, one thing I did want to point out, it came up on the blog and that I was all excited about was the sonogram that they showed of Aaron in the uh-huh. hospital. If you zoomed in and took a good look at it, it was dated October 22nd, 2004. And well, so maybe something did happen And maybe this flight 815 is a month later And that could explain how some of these things are different Because there was more happening in Australia leading up to that point And there's something big going on here But unfortunately, our good friend, Greg Nations Did point Uh out that maybe they kind of got the month wrong of the crash so. Oh, okay. Very unfortunate if that is indeed a prop error, and I guess we can't read too much into props. That's certainly a lesson we're learning here. Yeah. On Lost. Well, was there anything else? I think before we wrap, I do like to point out the locations right. used in each episode. Obviously, we had Honolulu International Airport again, and I guess we're going to be seeing more of that. But uh, <laughs> the street that uh, Kate threw Claire out and where the, the taxi cab driver ran away was actually Coapaca Street, yeah. which is adjacent to the airport. I actually worked right around there when I worked for the bank. Um, the hospital where Kate brings Claire and where we meet Dr. Goodspeed was Hawaii Medical Center West out in Eva and mm-hmm. that's a, that was formerly, I think, St. Francis Hospital, so another hospital used for the show. And uh, the house where Claire's would-be adoptive parents uh, lived is a, is a nice little house in the very upscale neighborhood of Mount Brentwood, But Kahala Uh on uh, Aokai Avenue And uh, if you recall the forward cabin from way back when When they filmed that shoot Somebody was able to watch that whole scene play out exactly as it did But in any case, that's our take on what Kate does And we're going to hear yours now in You All, Everybody
3: Hey, this is Josh
2: from Louisville, Kentucky First-time caller, long-time listener. Always wanted to say that somewhere, and I'm glad it's to see you guys. Uh, big fan of the podcast. Uh, thought tonight, uh, both Miles and Hurley had some of their best, most uh, most enjoyable lines, most memorable, and uh, really liked tonight's episode. Looking forward to hearing your podcast.
4: Ryan and Jim, hello. It's Marty calling from Houston. I'm calling to talk about
2: the last episode
4: of Lost. It was a Kate-centric episode, and I pretty much uh, enjoyed it. I mean, nothing really can compare to last week's episode, and uh, a two-hour episode. But overall, it was good. A little slower, had a weird um, deja vu type moments throughout.
5: Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Joe in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, God, what a what a disappointing episode. Um, uh, I guess. Um, I, re- I was really hoping that they'd, um, the writers would sort of sell us on this alternate storyline um, in week two, and I really just feel like it was, I don't know, it was gimmicky. There was, it's not fitting into place yet, and I, I was really hoping it was. Um, um, I hope they kill Kate soon.
0: Bye. Whoa. Well, we start things off here, and you all, everybody, with the lost line and a decent range of responses. Josh really enjoyed it. Definitely liked the lines <laughs> and dialogue we mentioned. Mari from Houston pretty much enjoyed it. Meh. but uh, Meh compared to LAX. And Joe in Providence not a fan and definitely not a fan of Kate.
1: We now have calls from John, Kevin, and Shayna.
5: Hey, Ryan and Jim. What's up? the from North Carolina. Wow, guys. I really would love to say holy freaking crap for this one, but, um the only thing I can really say holy freaking crap to is the ending with Claire coming back. Um, that was a big shocker. But uh, other than that, there wasn't very many holy freaking crap moments. I really wanted them to, like, give more because there were so many points where they just, they kept giving opportunities. Like, some guy would say something in Aldo, which, I don't know why they would bring Aldo back from season three, but hey, I ain't complaining. But, I mean, he, I swear he said shut up to that guy like five times when he was about to say something cool. And, I I thought that was a really like cheap move for them to do. But anyway, I really liked the episode. Definitely not as good as LAX was. But um I'm looking forward. I'm finally glad I got a call in and I really like the holy freaking craps on the voicemail, that's really making me happy. But um definitely looking forward to listening to the podcast and I will definitely call y'all next week.
6: Aloha Ryan and Jen, this is Kevin from Snowy New Jersey. I just got done watching uh, the third episode of the sixth season of Lost, what Kate does, and actually I was struck by how much I enjoyed this episode. Usually I'm on your side with uh, the Kate episodes not being um, up to snuff, but this one actually uh, kept my interest. Um, But I do have to say that The Flash Sideways are... A bit distracting. There's so much going on on the island with Dogan and, uh, his people at the temple. This, uh, this season didn't really need a gimmick. It had a strong story itself and, uh, even though the Flash Sideways, they haven't been horrible, they haven't been, you know, total letdowns, it would have been nice to see, uh, to see the creators, um, with one storyline because the storyline they had on island is interesting enough. But all in all, good episode. Hope next week we get more uh, mythology and uh, looking forward to the podcast. Bye.
7: Hey, it's Shana in Alaska. I was just calling to tell you what I thought about the episode last night. I really enjoyed the stuff off island, but I felt like the stuff on island really dragged out. I think... Anybody who's a serious lost fan figured out what was going on within like the first five minutes with Saeed and, and then, oh, Sawyer's gonna escape and, oh, Kate's gonna go after him. I haven't seen that before. I mean, but I did think the best line, um, of the entire episode was when she said, I'm sorry for following you. And he said, which time? And that was just like so epic because I was just like, oh, that just, that captures so much in just one small, short line. And I really enjoyed that part. But otherwise, I really didn't really think that episode was as as awesome as, as I feel like they all should be at this point because it's the last season. But I uh, can't wait to hear
0: what you guys think. Bye. Mahalo for those calls and good to hear from John once yeah, again. Yeah, good to hear from you, John. Although he had to withhold his holy freaking crap except for Clarin. Yes, you know, Aldo telling Justin to shut up was kind of a tease. Kevin from snowy New Jersey uh, says that this off-island stuff is kind of a distraction, that we should there should be enough to keep things going just on the island. I don't
1: think it's a matter of enough. I think there's going to be something that happens in either of the two and I and I have faith that it's going to be resolved soon.
0: Right, I don't think they're doing it for nothing. I mean, certainly... It's a gimmick in that it's a flash something, but it wouldn't be lost without a flash something. So why not there being yet another twist that we have to try and figure out? I'm, I'm okay with that. And Shanna in Alaska saying, you know, the on-island stuff was kind of repetitive and predictive, and it's the off-island stuff. I love what they're doing there. And I think that's kind of the story of loss.
1: There's something there for everybody.
0: Absolutely. Next up, Clifton, Christy, and Kelsey.
2: Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Clifton from Ohio. I was calling about the episode What Kate Does. And I know a lot of people did not like this episode. Um, and one of the reasons is because they think that the whole storyline and the parallel timeline between Kate and Claire was just too uh, unbelievable with Kate first pointing a gun at Claire and then Claire wanting her to go to the uh, doctor's parents' house. And then they end up at the hospital and they're holding hands and people just don't understand what Claire's thinking. But I don't think this is just weird writing. I think this is on purpose. And I think what's happening in the parallel timeline is kind of what happened to Destin in Flashes Before Your Eyes, where even though he was in the past, he still had the memories of what happened to him in the future. And in this episode, when Kate sees Jack outside of the taxi, she also has the same look. And the whole thing between her and Claire, I think it's all that maybe subconsciously they know each other and they're familiar with each other. So even though Claire doesn't know why she's doing it, she trusts. Kate, And I think that's what's happening. So I'm interested to see what you guys think of this episode. That's all. Bye.
8: Hey, Ryan and Jen. It's Christy from Los Angeles. I was thinking of a theory about Kate that I haven't heard anybody say yet. And I think everybody was kind of disappointed in the episode, What Kate Does, because it seemed like the same old Kate running from Edward and escaping, and it's just more of the same. But I really think in that X timeline, as as Kate hinted at the end to Claire, I think she's innocent. I think she's been falsely accused, and that's what we're going to see is the difference in Kate in that timeline. Just like the difference in Hurley is that, you know, he is lucky now. As um, Jacob told him in the cab, you know, you're not cursed. Maybe you're blessed. And it almost, like, you know, changed who he was. And maybe... Jacob coming to see Kate when she was a little girl stealing the lunchbox and telling her not to steal again, maybe she really is a good person in that timeline, and she's been falsely accused. So that is my theory. I think we're going to find that to be true. I hope so, and uh, we'll see if it sticks. So thanks a lot. Keep up the good podcast. I love it. Bye.
9: Hi, this is Kelsey calling from California. Um, I actually just wanted to share something. I was rewatching an episode from Season 3, and it was The Cost of Living, the one where Echo is killed by the smoke monster. And if you remember correctly, Echo says, as his last words to lock you're next, which I think is huge and a major, you know, proof that the writers have known what they've been doing all along in just a little line like that. And, you know, saying that the smoke monster was going to claim Locke next. So I think we're going to see Echo come back, um, you know, as the smoke monster and kind of have this army of smoke monsters. And if. Also, Saeed is there, really right next to Locke. So I'm wondering if that could be a hint that, you know, maybe the smoke monster really has claimed Saeed as well. So anyways,
4: just a thought.
0: Alright, bye. Thanks for those calls. Now Clifton kind of answering a lot of the people that thought the specific scenario of what happened off the island in L.A., um, It's it only happens that quickly and that unreasonably because of what we saw in Flashes Before Your Eyes. There's mm-hmm. immediate uh, familiarity and a sense of trust between these well, pe- strangers.
1: Well, if that is what's happening, we're going to need something a little bit more explicit than a stuffed whale because, <laughs> I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not really there yet.
0: Well, I think they're hopefully they're going to build to that and I guess mm-hmm. there's just a sense of impatience because people want them to get on with it already. Mm -hmm. Um, Christy from LA saying that she's one of the people that thinks Kate is innocent just like how Hurley is now lucky Uh and that it has something to do with Jacob showing up and touching her as a young kid.
1: Yeah, that's possible. I mean, we know how different things are in this timeline so Kate as an innocent person is not completely out of the question. Well, I
0: think it's really key because what Jacob does to each of the characters that he does touch in that uh, last episode of season Uh five is sometimes he seems to change or go against what their natures are like don't, steal again, Kate. And in some places, he seems to enable the things that have haunted them, like giving Sawyer the pen. Oh, right. So, you know, it's still kind of curious what that meant, but uh, I'm still going to go with Kate did actually do something bad. I mean, you know, basically knocking out and being a badass uh, and taking out a, a marshal in an in a airport bathroom is not the actions of an innocent person. But still a good thought. And Kelsey from California, good catch on who... I hadn't said, thought of
1: that before. Yeah, yeah.
0: You're next. And of course, it was immediately interpreted to mean everybody. You're all next. Oh. Uh-huh. But no, your next lock, <laughs> the smoke monster didn't. Wasn't satisfied with me, Mister uh-huh. Echo. Do you think that that means that there's going to be more Mister Echo?
1: I hope so. I I, mean- I would be. Totally happy if we saw Mr.
0: Echo again. Well, Kelsey mentions an army of smoke monsters. That's kind of interesting because obviously there are going to be sides building up in this war. Uh-huh. But I hope it doesn't mean that everybody on the smoke monster side are dead people. <laughs> you know, that'd be kind of a bit much. Yeah. Just then we're definitely kind of talking about the zombie season that Damon and Carlton <laughs> said they were just kidding about.
1: <laughs> now we have calls from David, Marnie, and Liz. Hey,
3: Ryan. Hey, Jen. David in Winston-Salem, North Carolina calling. had a few comments about, uh, I guess, the latest episode um, in terms of the others with the poisoning of Jack and just kind of some of the events coming back to uh, LAX. Uh, The one comment that uh, popped in my mind listening to the last uh, podcast was Jen mentioning about how the others seem to uh, not the other, sorry, but, um, Jacob seems to dislike, uh, modern technology. However, if you think about it, when, uh, when Locke and Ben went to the cabin, uh, now I think generally everybody thinks that it wasn't Jacob in the cabin, but Smokey. Whereas Jacob's been off the island, he's been riding in cars, uh, you know, in doing other stuff. He doesn't really seem to have as much of a problem with technology, I believe as the smoke monster does. So I think that's kind of one of those false trails that they set up so that we think it's Jacob who hates modern technology, but it's really smoky. Uh, Anyway, love the podcast and enjoy it and can't wait to see the next episode. Thanks.
9: Bye. Ryan and Jen, this is Marnie from Miami uh, giving a, I don't know, some kind of thought theory from last night's episode. If dead bodies can be claimed, By the man in black, then can we, or Jacob, then can we assume that newborns can also be claimed? Which suggests that perhaps the man in black is responsible for the pregnant women dying to prevent them being claimed or infected through birth. I don't know, my head's exploding, but I thought I'd throw that out there for discussion. Have
7: a good day. Bye. Hey, this is Liz from Oregon. Um, I'm calling about the man in black. Um, I think it seems kind of interesting that we don't know his name yet, and I think that may be important, um, maybe because it's someone that we already know. So my guess would be Aaron, and I know that seems like crazy, and I don't really know the logistics, but maybe he got stuck back in time and has been trying to get home for a long time. I don't know. But whether it's Aaron or not, I really think it's going to be like the end of an episode. My name is blank and thud. So tell me what you think. It sounds crazy. Thanks. Bye.
0: Mahalo for those calls. And David Winston Salem, I think with a good point. Yeah, that, that is a good point. We've, we've now kind of, I think, switched to the point of view that the person that Ben's been visiting in the cabin all this time was actually the man in black slash smoke right. monster. And yes, that creature responded poorly to the flashlight and is therefore not a fan of modern technology, a trait that been ascribed to Jacob because he thought that's who he was dealing yeah. with and yes Jacob is, has no problem with technology heck he knows how to fix vending machines with candy <laughs> in it so so the, what I think is key to that though is that it goes back to that, that mind blowing theory from last week that the people in the temple or at least the temple itself has a tie to the man in black he's not like an outsider trying to you know penetrate mm-hmm. into Jacob's lair but that there's probably a connection to the two of them with that temple and that that temple may be the home they want to get to or at least a major you know base of power or asset that they're trying to gain control of, right? But then we had a couple of interesting theories there on the Lost line. Marnie from your wonderful home state <laughs> saying that the the issue with babies and pregnancy and death uh, for and children in general has to do with this battle between the Man in Black and Jacob and their ability to take over people, and that it that's that it's kind of a key part of the battle that that's what's going what on. Well, she's
1: there. but I think what she's saying is that the Man in Black would have had to take like say Ethan's form because he was the last baby born on the island, and I just I, I don't really think. There's a lot of evidence, right? For that well, I happening. mean, I
0: think that's the key. Is that uh, the problem with fertility? I think is established to have come after the incident. Uh-huh. You know, with Ethan being the born being born right before it, and it seems the battle between the man in black and Jacob and taking people's forms and, and you know basically claiming them happened way it has been happening much longer than that. I think uh-huh. that the problem with fertility and babies is much more contemporary. But certainly, it'd be an interesting way to see them to connect some of these mysteries because we certainly want to answer a lot of these mysteries. Right. And Liz from Oregon says that the man in black, uh, his name is a- shrouded in mystery, and it'll probably be a final thud when he identifies himself. Uh-huh. And why not that name be Aaron?
1: That's just as good a name as any. I mean, given that Mr. Echo and Claire have this discussion about the history of the name, I mean, it would be, I guess it would be fitting.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've got the whole baptism thing. You've got the whole circle of life. I mean, I'm willing to take just about anything. Um, the the people who make a pretty strong case for Aaron being one of the skeletons in the cave, you know, along uh-huh. with Gion, for example, they could probably go anywhere with this stuff. And well, I guess I like the way you're thinking, at least. We've got time for a couple of more calls.
1: We now hear from Roger and Mr. Jacob.
4: Hey, Ryan and Jen, this is Roger in D.C. calling to comment quickly on the last episode of Lost, which, in my opinion, had to be some of the reddest, hottest, steaming garbage that these guys have ever put forward. Um, that episode was absolutely terrible and meaningless. With 16 or 17 episodes left to go, why would we spend any time, any significant amount of time at all on Kate? who is easily the worst character ever developed on any show in the history of the galaxy. This show has too much to get through in the next couple of months for us to get a full understanding of what's going on on this island for them to be gallivanting around looking at Kate beating up U.S. Marshals. It's nonsensical. Uh, I shut that TV off at the end of the show, highly disappointed and, and basically ashamed that I had watched it. Um, but I'm looking forward to the next episode. But this past episode was was really really a bad one, and I'm and I'm and I'm I'm real hurt that they put that on there in the last season. All right, guys, uh, great podcast again. Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say this week.
10: Hello, how Ryan and Jen? This is Mr. Jacob calling to discuss what Kate does. And I must say, I'm very surprised at the reaction to this episode, with uh, many people calling it a dud, and some even suggesting that it's worse than Stranger in a Strange Land, which is just nonsense if you ask me. Um, this episode makes good on Dawson's promise that season six would be a lot more like season one in terms of character development. And that's just what we got, you know, Jack following his faith-based path, but not blindly obeying the others. Literally in this case, it's much more nuanced than, you know, I'm a man of science, now I'm a man of faith. And it was just nice to see, uh, Jack back in charge, kicking buttons, button, demanding answers. And, um, that scene with Sawyer and Kate on the dock, it just made the episode, you know, someone please give Josh Holloway an Emmy. Um, It was just great to see them advance the uh, love triangle, but, you know, uh, just just to move right past it, and, uh, you know, just to see that whole situation, it it was just great. You know, Kate's crying was real. It was, uh, you know, crying for Sawyer's pain, crying for Juliet, and crying for herself for losing Sawyer. It it was just a perfect scene, and probably the second best of the season thus far, right after Locke and Jack talking at the airport. Um, And uh, mythology-wise, we got a good dose of knowledge about the sickness, which is, You know, one of those mysteries I thought many people uh, think would just fade away. Um, It gives me confidence that they haven't forgotten about some of the central earlier season mysteries. So let's just hope they tackle Richard Malkin now. Um, So to the Lost community, I say lighten up and enjoy the ride. Adios, guys.
0: Thanks for those calls. I think we got a good point counterpoint going on here between Roger and Mr. Jacob. Roger saying he was actually hurt by this episode. He was ashamed that he spent any time watching. Okay, it.
1: go watch CSI, NCI, Seattle, Nevada, whatever, and tell me that the writing on one of those shows is better than this I episode. Mean, just
0: watch any reality show. Which Lost saved us from. Watch this. There's a, there's a cheerleader on, on a show about superheroes that's that's completely Daddy, ridiculous. Daddy, you got me the ropes. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And so Kate the worst character in the history of television how long has this person been watching television I mean look I like to trot out the line from film spotting I hear what you're saying but you're but completely, you're completely wrong. wrong but I'm not even sure if I hear what you're saying in the sense that okay we're on record not fans of Kate we uh-huh. again we were we had the lowest of expectations going in and maybe yeah. that's why we liked the episode yeah, maybe as that's much the key. as we did but Excise her from the episode In fact ignore the things Off-island if that's what Frustrated you and I still Think there was a lot to Appreciate yeah. and enjoy there Were some mysteries some Answers there were great Character mo- moments how can You not enjoy Josh Holloway's Moment in this episode yes You might feel there's not Enough time left in the Season to get to all of the Answers but I think as the Caller who said that she Loved the off-island stuff Pointed out there's Something for everybody yeah We all have something to Get out of this show and Moving on to Mr. Jacob I Think his line pretty much Says it all we the lost Community should just like up and enjoy the ride. I mean, I don't think we're saying we're not going to be critical of the show. I can anticipate there's going to be more criticism going forward. And I'm not saying that we're not going to be frustrated at the end of the series that uh, they didn't answer all the questions that we want answered, that maybe they did waste some time on things that we weren't interested in. But we're invested in the whole package. It's not like we're being forced to watch the show and we kind of joke that we've already spent five years on it, so we're going to finish this book. But, But I've walked out on movies. I've put down books that I didn't like. So so far I am still enjoying the ride and I, I'm hoping that we all we all do so Roger I hope uh, this upcoming episode does it for you and brings you back because we're certainly not going to stop watching yeah. and we certainly don't think that uh, that Kate is the worst character in the history no. of the galaxy Well, on Mr. Jacobs point you know he also liked Josh Holloway's scene and I liked the way that he summarized what might have been going on in Kate's mind when she cried after Sawyer left because really I thought that was Josh Holloway's scene and then she kind of does this whole w- sobbing thing and I was a little confused what, what what that was all about.
1: Well, it must be a girl thing because I <laughs> totally got it. You know, I read it as a whole bunch of things. It's losing Sawyer. It's not knowing where Claire is and possibly failing her mission. It's being away from Aaron maybe and and realizing that getting back to the island has been a huge waste of time. And I mean, certainly being all, Sawyer,
0: for, sorry for Juliet. Right. All,
1: all of these things all at once made her realize where she is and it made her cry.
0: Well, I've just been schooled in and- and so again, even something like that I think can be interpreted a number of ways and I love that about this show. Do you think we're going to hear about The Psychic ever again? Richard I Malkin?
1: don't think so, but it would be nice. That would
0: be nice. That would be nice. Well, we had lots of other calls. Richie in Missouri, a very sweet note from him. Katie and Katie's mom, um, a young girl <laughs> called to tell us a joke about Jin and Claire, although I'm not sure if I quite got it. Um, Ian in Las Vegas, who's actually watching the Olympics. We had over 270 comments on the blog, though, and over 100 emails, so let's get to some of those.
1: Russ, in California writes the whole look they're interacting the same way they did on the island angle doesn't fly for me those relationships developed due to the fact that these strangers were thrust into a traumatic situation that they didn't understand and couldn't escape from it was their experiences on the island that helped forge these unlikely bonds to see the same relationships develop in the disaster free LAX reality within a day just doesn't ring true for me. It feels too Mulholland
0: Drive-ish. Well, that's an interesting comparison there, and I agree. I mean, it does seem to be progressing really fast, and it can only perhaps be explained by the fact that they have an inherent trust of each other that even they can't explain. Brayer Mike writes, I thought this was an excellent episode. I was a bit nervous going into it, knowing it was Kate-centric, but thought this was done very well. The whole episode and the characters, especially Kate, had a very season one vibe about them. I was so relieved that Kate was back to being badass, and that she didn't follow Sawyer for romantic reasons she really wants to find Claire. I thought this episode got back to the characters in a way a lot of us have been hoping for since last season. So much happened so fast in these episodes it was nice to see character moments characters talking about what was going on and still being entertaining and having some mythology included. John
1: Fisher writes, I admit I have never been a big Kate fan. That being said I think the writers did well by Kate in this episode. She was forceful when she needed to be forceful and compassionate when she needed to be compassionate. She showed wonderful sensitivity for Sawyer and his grief and for Claire in the alternate timeline. Still, I think that Kate was not really the character we should focus on for this episode. This was much more about Saeed, Claire, and Jack and where this will take them in the remaining episodes. Well,
0: absolutely. Both Brer, Mike, and John saying that, you know, Kate really did okay in this episode, although there might be more going on. However, Matt Murdock writes, it felt a little flat. Last week was such a huge jolt. Although I guess anything would have fallen a little flat, but I didn't expect that much of a difference. It seems a shame to me that probably the only Kate episode we're going to get for the rest of the series showed zero real character growth. She does the right thing, but it still boils down to her doing one right thing because she's running from another right thing. Somehow I hoped we'd all find a way to love Kate in the end. It seems much less likely now unless her on-island story really goes somewhere.
1: So Baker writes, it seems we're finally going to see Claire on-island again, and if we needed a slower. Oh crap. Kate episode to build up (laughs) to that, then so be it. And Saeed and Claire are officially on the dark side. Love it! Those are two characters the writers never seem to know what to do with and it looks like they're going to get some great stuff.
0: Well, I certainly agree there. I mean, it's kind of neat to promote some of these secondary main characters into perhaps more prominent roles. Jonine from Arizona, hey Jonine, says, this episode made me realize that I think I was expecting too much too soon from this season. Not that it wasn't a good episode, but the story seemed to move at a slower pace than the premiere. I know it was a chance for us to get to know Dogan and Lennon, but even their character arcs seem a little off. I guess time and patience will tell. Yep. Seeing Aldo as the comic relief for this episode was awesome, and the scene at the dock did its job and I had tears running down my cheek. It'll be interesting to see where Sire's character goes from here. I think at this point he has nothing to lose, and I think he just might join Smokey's recruiting service. <laughs>
1: Brought from East Lansing writes Josh Holloway really showed something in the episode he's got great range because I can love him one moment and hate him a second later. I always thought that Sawyer's character never got a fair break in life. The events in the brig when he puked up all the things that were foul in his life was really symbolic to me once he got revenge on the real Sawyer, James Ford was now ready to move forward as a decent human being, and Juliet was there to find a solid person in him. Now the little boy that was robbed in the worst way suffers another loss very sad.
0: Very sad, very sad. And actually I'm really interested in where Sire's character goes. And of course what Josh Holloway does with it. It seemed like he was gonna be revenge driven against Jack, but then he seems to put that down. It seems that he was just really sorrowful and and really to give up everything because of Juliet. Uh But now he says that maybe I'm just meant to be alone. I really like that line. Yeah. And so I agree. He's got nothing left to lose, but does that make him a complete and utter free agent, an unpredictable element in this story? If so, I mean again I'm excited about where that might go. Me too. Pancake Disco writes Claire's been infected and turned evil. Makes sense. What earlier seemed like a crackpot theory that Claire died when her house at the barracks exploded in season four, that seems to be true. Like Saeed, she came back to life, but she came back wrong. Now, Smokey slash Man in Black slash Unlock slash Christian Shepard came and took her away. Wow. But has anyone else noticed that whenever an other is about to shoot a main character, they're always gunned down by someone surprising?
1: Yeah, I've noticed that. Well,
0: I mean, that's sort of a pre-thud moment. Uh It's either a character we haven't seen for a while showing up, or it's someone getting shot right before someone else gets shot. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Sandy in Ojai writes at first I really thought that Jacob could be the bad guy but apparently not Christian, Claire, and now possibly Saeed are taken over by the Dark Man. Guess the only way he will be able to go home is to get his own army to fight Jacob, and he intends to do that with the Oceanic Six. And Kate and Sawyer are both in very bad places right now and should never have left the temple, but that's only what makes really good TV.
0: Well, I'm still I'm not sure if I can say I've resigned to the fact that uh, Jacob is good and um, the Man in Black is bad. Yeah, I, I mean, can't
1: really say that yet either. If
0: the Man in Black's force is what is you know taking over Saeed and removing all trace of Saeed, I guess that's bad, but we've also made a really strong case that the man in black might have actually rightfully belonged to the temple and that Jacob is the one playing games with people and setting all these events in motion that uh, go nowhere necessarily. So, yeah, I mean, I think it could go either way, certainly by separating our characters and sending them out and separating them. That's what they've been doing since season one. Yeah, that's what drama is made of. Jeremy in Rochester writes... What if Hurley doesn't see dead people, but is able to see people from the Tangent Universe? This is the same plot device as in Donnie Darko, Mm -hmm. when Donnie is able to see Frank the Rabbit, who isn't dead in the real reality, but dead in the future of the Tangent Universe. This could, of course, further differentiate between him and Miles's power, since Miles doesn't see dead people, but can speak to them. I would much rather not see an explanation for Miles's ability, but Hurley's ability to tap into an alternate reality could really be the way that our universes merge.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good idea
0: that uh, he's seeing that Jacob is visiting from the other timeline and it, actually a lot of people think that when Jacob went and touched all of these people you know our, our characters mm-hmm. that that was also in whatever universe all of that other things are going right on, so.
1: no I totally think that really yeah I still
0: I still really want to think that we're just in one world and we haven't figured out how yet but I guess that's I mean Donnie Darko that's certainly been an influence on the show
1: Stephen M writes I feel like a long time listener even though I just discovered you two weeks ago being the last freak that I am, I decided to rewatch all of Season 5 and listen to all your Season 5 podcasts. To do this, I had to push back the Season 6 premiere to this past Monday, which turned out to be great because then I didn't have to wait a whole week to see last night's episode. So I got a transmission overload of about 28 podcasts in about 13 days, and my best description of Season 6 so far is, holy freaking monkey crap. (laughs) I like this episode a lot. I like that Kate helped out pregnant Claire. And how freaky is it that Ethan is Claire's doctor and L X I wasn't a big fan of The Flash sideways to start, but it is growing on me. I can't wait to see how everything comes together. Season six is blowing my mind, and I think I like it. <laughs> well,
0: I think I feel the same way here. here but I got to admit, you know, Stephen, the 28 podcasts in two weeks, that can't be healthy. You have to be sick of us by <laughs> I kind of feel bad for you, too. But holy freaking monkey crap. So <laughs> he's, he's on board. <laughs> and again, I think we're on board, too. Um, this is a heck of a ride. We might have hit a dip, according to some folks, but. Hopefully, that means there's only one way to go, up, and that's up. Now, we really, really appreciate all the thoughts and theories that you shared with us on our blog and email on the Lost Line, even though, as usual, we can only include a small portion of it in our show.
1: Our favorite part of the podcast is you all, everybody. So please don't forget to join the conversation after the new next new episode. You can post it on the blog at hawaiiup.com slash lost. Email us at lost at hawaiiup.com or call and leave a message on the Lost
0: And as always, we're going to blog after each episode airs on Tuesday night. For those of you who can't wait to get an early taste of what we're going to be talking about on our podcast when we post it on Sunday. Now, if you've been hoping for a day after initial reaction podcast from us, though, you might actually get your wish in March because I'm actually going to be leaving the island on two separate trips over two consecutive weeks. And already, you know, Jen's kind of dreading that. But that basically means that we won't be able to release a full episode of the transmission. So in addition to or maybe instead of our blog, Mm -hmm. Post we might record our Thoughts about the episode right after we've Watched it so it might be kind of a fun Twist it might be a disappointing Shorter version of the transmission but In any case I think that doing that Is much better than missing two episodes Of this fantastic and important Final season of Lost
1: In about three minutes we will enter The forward cabin but first A musical interlude this is A song from the Others Lost band It's based on the season premiere LAX and it's in titled, Nothing's Irreversible. me this drink
11: is weak. I'm glad to have Rose here to reassure me The planes want to stay in the air. Desmond, do I know you from somewhere? Under the sea where Dorma used to be is the statue with four toes and Rose i let go. I guess we made it. Kate wakes up in a tree. They're not 977 and they're And James tells early the flash Sawyer says he kill Jack if Juliet's gone Says he was wrong with the bomb Didn't get him off of the island Then I'm sorry you had to see me like that Stop staring at the fire cause Jacob's gone Don't call me a monster I just wanna go home So go outside and talk to John building me was confused and I'm disappointed in all of you Hurley is a lucky guy but Charlie isn't breathing and he thinks he has to die and John Rock is crocodile Dundee. tea Kate is back in police custody You can take the guitar case Bring it to the temple and he'll be safe. What did Juliet say while she was alive? It worked and I guess if Saeed dies We are in trouble Then I'm sorry you had to see me like that Stop staring at the fire cause Jacob's gone Monster X want to go home, so go outside and talk to John. When you killed him, he was confused, and I'm disappointed in all of you. Kate escapes and is back on the run. She grabs a taxi with Claire with the help of a gun. Jack Shepard meets John Locke. He lost a bag of knives and he For free Nothing's irreversible Down in the temple's spring The hourglass went outside Drowned Jack tried to revive him And Hurley told them that Jacob died
0: That was Nothings Irreversible by The Others Lost Band. They're a great band they based are great. out of Boston, Massachusetts, and they write a song after each new episode of Lost. This song was based on the season premiere, and hopefully next week we'll hear their take on what <laughs> Kate does. If you want to find out more about them, you can buy their music, hear more, or buy some swag at myspace.com slash the others lost band.
1: And now it's time for the forward cabin. We have filming reports for the last week here on the Island and that means spoilers so if you don't want to know what's coming up you want to jump out now or skip to the end
0: well first of all we did see a little preview about next week's episode uh, what's the title and synopsis
1: the title is the substitute and the synopsis reads Locke goes in search of aid to further help his cause you
0: notice that the synopsis are getting really really short this season and vague I, I'm fine with that you don't want them to give too much away when you're just checking the program guide That's on your true. Chivo now a random bit of trivia for next week's episode now you You might recall last year I reported on scenes that were being filmed at Waipahu High School and even in the parking lot next door to where I work at the Gentry Design Center. And you will see those scenes this upcoming week. But one thing that I did not report on and won't was that they actually filmed in my office for this episode. Now, after years of following Lost Around, it was fantastic to have them come to me. I mean, I could literally hear them call action and cut for each take while I'm sitting at my desk trying to do my job. You know, Terry O'Quinn and a couple of uh, very familiar faces, a couple of very cool women would just come out every so often and loiter in our lobby or hang out next to our conference room. (laughs) It was completely and totally surreal. And of course because they came to me in my office because we were trying to help them and they were being very helpful. You know, the locations crew is great. Uh, Jim Triplett, who's actually left the show now, but oh. a fantastic guy. Um, I decided that I would save that little bit of trivia, of course. After the uh, episode airs, I'll post some of the pictures from the what they did to our office. It was mm-hmm. really, really fantastic. Very intricate and detailed, but uh, and, and really, I don't know how much of, it's gonna, of that scene is going to make the final cut, but basically, if there's a scene um, this Tuesday in an office with Locke and uh, uh, two women, just know that my desk is right around the corner from what You see So (laughs) let's get to the Filming reports for this week It started on Monday They were out at Cavella Bay Once again And this is the Rocky Beach That's just west Of the Turtle Bay Resort And uh, well Let me get to the point They filmed Sun and Jin's Reunion Yes it finally happens. They've really pushed it off. I mean, because I think we're at uh, episode 13 or 14 here, but still good to know that it actually happens. Um, in this scene, there was Sun, Sawyer, Kate, Hurley, and uh, probably Claire and Frank, and they seem to be wading in out of the surf. But then a group of others come out of the jungle and Jin's with them and recognize his son. They come together and hug for a long, long time, Yay. but then the others point their guns at them and they all kneel down. And this was all observed at a great distance by visiting fan Francie. Thanks Francie for your report. The next day they were at a couple of locations at Bishop Museum and at the Bofin Submarine Museum but in both cases they managed to be at places after they were closed to the public Mm -hmm. so uh, there wasn't too much to see but uh, my friend Eric did try to check both out. Um, The last time they shot at Bishop Museum if you recall Desmond figured prominently so this week it was another Desmond uh, Steen but also there was Faraday. So it's good that um, he's having a role here. And as for the submarine, we only know that uh, Josh Holloway was there, but that's about it to report from that day, which was mostly observed through fences. On Wednesday, they were at Coconut Island in Kaneohe. Now, this is actually a private island in a way. It's not easily accessible, but fortunately a local blogger named Lucia works out there and she was able to report on the scene. Actually, she wrote it up in her blog, uh, but she writes in Portuguese, oh. but she was kind enough to provide a English translation to my blog, Hawaii blog, as well as some additional pictures, so you should certainly check that out, but according to her report, she saw Hurley, Jack, and Son, basically filming scenes rushing through the jungle. Claire was there as well, and she was as disheveled and wild-looking as ever, and later she saw Sawyer and Kate. Now, most key was that they filmed at the marina there on the island next to, and on, a boat, and the boat was named the Elizabeth, Mm. so the Elizabeth comes back into play, and in fact, Sawyer and Kate were Definitely on that boat And they come ashore from the boat So definitely interesting On Thursday they were at Wileye Dental Care That's a dentist's office at Kahala Mall Actually I think it's a whole dental building um, And uh, it was a scene with Jack And Bernard Yes Sam Anderson comes back And uh, basically Bernard was working And Jack arrives They shake hands And then Jack starts talking While Bernard listens intently So that was, uh, was an interesting scene But of course behind glass And also that day they were at Manoa Falls or Paradise Park. Actually both that day and um Friday as well, mostly in the afternoon and late evenings, and so they were out of sight, probably where the temple was, and for that scene there were trailers or sightings of Jack, Kate, Sawyer, Son, Claire, Jin Hurley, Frank. And Whitmore, mm. so a pretty big cast of characters in the jungle or at the temple. Certainly very tantalizing. And I want to thank Scott, Steve, and not Scott and Steve from the show, Chris <laughs> and Francie for their reports. Also turning up this week, though, and most entertainingly, I think, was a call sheet—a yellow copy that was found at a uh, at a set. Now, uh, it had featured a lot of notes on scenes that we've already reported on here in the forward cabin over the past two podcasts. But there were a couple of little snippets, uh, maybe pickup shoots that. Uh, were pretty neat maybe there were scenes to insert later one was for episode 608 and basically the synopsis on the call sheet was sawyer is watching tv and sees the ajira plane so I don't know what that means. I guess that's off-island, but what's the deal with the Ajira plane? How would he see it and where all of this fits? I don't know. We know that we did report on Sawyer meeting with Whitmore at a submarine, the Bofin submarine, in fact. So it, it seems like some of this off-island stuff and on-island stuff is going to be coming together. Um, also on the call sheet for episode 613, there was a significant sequence of shots detailed. Basically, it plays like this. Saeed goes to see Nadia, um, Mm -hmm. but he tells her that she's never going to see him again. Suddenly, Miles comes up to the door of the house, so Saeed tries to slip out a window, but he's caught and arrested by Sawyer Wow He's caught and arrested By Sawyer for killing Kimi in fact And uh, Sawyer actually Has an encounter with Kate at the police station They're watching Video footage of The killing of Kimi That we reported on Over at Ko'olau Golf Club In any case It seems like Yes that Miles and Sawyer Just like they were On the island Are a crime fighting duo Involved in law enforcement we Of have course, to have a spinoff yeah. and, and this was s- suspected When we did the Crash scene report Last year downtown right. That that was going on But that certainly confirmed If Sawyer is going to be Doing some arresting It certainly raises questions about what he did in the elevator and the premiere. Yeah. But maybe they'll explain all that. Well, that's it for the Forward Cabin, our filming reports, and the call sheet goodies. So that means that's pretty much it for this episode of The Transmission.
1: The show is powered by you. You guys give us the best theories, the best thinking, and so we need to hear from you. So send us an email or call the lost line or comment on the blog. As always, we appreciate the reviews on iTunes and we're always available for some talk. Story on Twitter. So
0: you can email us at lost at HawaiiUp.com. You can comment on the blog at HawaiiUp.com slash lost. And I still say that's the best way to give feedback because everyone can appreciate it and kind of comment on it. Or you can call the Lost Line at 815 310 0808. On Twitter, I'm at Hawaii and Jen is at mrs hawaii
1: i'm on facebook facebook.com slash jen ozawa and
0: i'm facebook.com slash ozawa we'd love to be your friends just let us know you found us through the transmission so that's our show for hour number three of season six of lost keep your seatbelts buckled it's going to be a bumpy ride (laughs) but as always thanks for taking it with us we'll talk to you again on sunday stay lost aloha Aloha.
11: This podcast is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com.